the intersection of this incredible food crisis and the awakening of a conscious mainstream consumer that wants to vote with their dollars has created this huge movement now that is starting to work to address those needs. That's Gennar Lovelace, and this is the Rich Roll Podcast. The Rich Roll Podcast. What's happening, wellness warriors, fitness freaks, self-improvement enthusiasts, mindfulness devotees, nutrition junkies, positivity fanatics? Welcome one, welcome all. My name is Rich Roll. I'm an ultra-endurance athlete, best-selling author. I'm a husband. I'm a father of four kids and two dogs. And this is the podcast where I deep dive with the paradigm-shifting outliers, the big forward thinkers across all categories of positive seismic culture change. The goal, to help all of us unlock and unleash our best, most authentic selves. So today on the show is a really great conversation with my very good friend, Gennar Lovelace. Uh, We've known each other about 15 years. Gennar is a lifelong wellness advocate, an incredibly socially conscious serial entrepreneur, and more recently now, he is the founder and CEO of a company called Thrive Market. What is Thrive Market? Who is Gennar Lovelace? Is that even his real name? Well, more on all that in a second. But first. We're brought to you today by On. I am a total gearhead. I love researching the latest technology for the sports I enjoy. And I've learned that people often overlook apparel. But what you wear isn't just clothes. It is, without a doubt, technology. Technology that can make or break a performance. And I can tell you, after spending two full days meeting with the apparel wizards at On Labs in Zurich, that On is innovating in this space like no other with next-gen premium fabrics and just this heightened level of sophistication and precision and testing and development and intentionality previously unheard of that puts them just miles beyond the competition. I've been rocking On's high-performance running apparel, including the long tees, the weather jackets, even the climate jacket, all super lightweight, tailor fit, built to move, and just gorgeous to get you out and get it done in fleet foot comfort, no matter the weather. I'm super proud to be a brand partner with this impressive team. From increasing product sustainability to improved energy return and impact protection, truly Swiss innovation at its finest. To get you moving, On is offering an exclusive 10% discount. To redeem, head over to on.com slash richroll and use code richroll10 at checkout. We're brought to you today by Birch. If you're serious about optimizing your sleep, listen up. I've spent countless hours researching and testing various methods to improve my nightly shut-eye, and I can confidently say that it all starts with a good foundation. And if your bed is old, if it's uncomfortable, lumpy, then your sleep inevitably is going to be impacted. So it's important to invest in a quality mattress, one that's insanely comfortable, that's organic, sustainably made, and that, my friends, is a birch mattress. Fairtrade and Rainforest Alliance certified with the finest quality organic natural materials like organic Fairtrade cotton. Birch mattresses are made with none of the toxic chemicals and off-gassing produced by most major brands. 
kind of important not to be breathing that for a third of your life, I'd say. Plus, it's super luxurious. I've been sleeping on birch for about five years. And I'd say it's the perfect ratio of soft to supportive. And the craftsmanship is just next level. I've got one in every room of my house. I love it. Pretty sure you will too. And right now, Birch is giving 20% off all mattresses and two free EcoRest pillows at birchliving.com slash richroll. That's 20% off and two free EcoRest pillows. Sleep better with Birch. We're brought to you today by recovery.com. I've been in recovery for a long time. It's not hyperbolic to say that I owe everything good in my life to sobriety. And it all began with treatment and experience that I had that quite literally saved my life. And in the many years since, I've in turn helped many suffering addicts and their loved ones find treatment. And with that, I know all too well just how confusing and how overwhelming and how challenging it can be to find the right place and the right level of care, especially because unfortunately, not all treatment resources adhere to ethical practices. It's a real problem a problem I'm now happy and proud to share has been solved by the people at recovery.com who created an online support portal designed to guide, to support, and empower you to find the ideal level of care tailored to your personal needs. They've partnered with the best global behavioral health providers to cover the full spectrum of behavioral health disorders, including substance use disorders, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, gambling addictions, and more. Navigating their site is simple. Search by insurance coverage, location, treatment type, you name it. Plus, you can read reviews from former patients to help you decide. Whether you're a busy exec, a parent of a struggling teen, or battling addiction yourself, I feel you. I empathize with you. I really do. And they have treatment options for you. Life and recovery is wonderful, and recovery.com is your partner in starting that journey. When you or a loved one need help, go to recovery.com and take the first step towards recovery. To find the best treatment option for you or a loved one, again, go to recovery.com. All right, today's show, Gennar Lovelace. By the way, yes, that is his real name. Uh, again, Gennar is a successful and very socially conscious serial entrepreneur, a guy who has had ongoing interests in everything from nonprofits to technology, fashion, and real estate over the years. And most recently, he is onto something big, really big, I think, as the founder and co-CEO of a new business called Thrive Market. Let's take a step back. When it comes to healthy eating, plant-based or otherwise, the common refrain is that it's too expensive, it's too inconvenient, healthy foods are unavailable where I live. And although I often counsel on the many myths that surround these arguments, it's undeniable that there is much truth in these assertions. I mean, look, Whole Foods is called Whole Paycheck for a reason, right? And we do very much need to find better ways to provide healthy food in a convenient and affordable way for everybody. And that's where Thrive comes in. Thrive is basically like this crazy digital love child of Costco and Whole Foods. It's a direct-to-consumer online shopping club platform that offers all the 4,000 best, healthiest, most popular natural and organic food brands in the world. The kind of stuff typical of a high-end natural foods grocer, including tons of plant-based and vegan foods, of course, 
but at 25 to 50% off retail prices shipped anywhere in the U.S. for free, which is really amazing. Plus, for every paid member on the site, the company also sponsors a free membership for a low-income family, and I really like that. These guys are growing incredibly fast beyond some pretty amazing original investors, guys like Tony Robbins and Deepak Chopra. This past summer, they closed a $30 million Series A round of VC funding led by Graycroft with participants like John Legend, Toby Maguire, and Demi Moore. And this funding is going to go a long way towards fulfilling their mission, which is to make healthy living easy and affordable for every American family, which is enormous, right? So I met Gennar about 15 years ago when I was a lawyer. I was his lawyer, in fact. I represented an early internet venture he founded called Good Life, uh, and we talk a little bit about that in the podcast. And Gennar and I have been good friends ever since. And I will say this, Gennar is not your typical startup founder. He's more like a yoga teacher, a yogi. I mean, the guy grew up on a commune who happens to also have an incredibly keen business acumen. He has quite the expanded consciousness. Gennar has an enormous heart, and I'm just, I'm so proud of what he's building. Not just excited to see him doing so well, because he truly is one of the good guys, but for what I think Thrive can do to truly change the socioeconomics of healthy eating for all of us. Really quickly, what this is not. This is not a paid advertisement for Thrive. I just really like and appreciate what uh, Gennar and his team are trying to do. Uh, and like I said, Gennar and I go way back, and I've been wanting to get him on the show for some time. What this is, is a great conversation about entrepreneurship, productivity, daily routines, social responsibility, conscious capitalism, the current state of health in America, and how we can collectively and together solve this problem of providing easy and affordable access to healthy food for everyone. I really love this guy. I think you will too. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Gennar Lovelace. So good to see you, man. You too. There, there are so many uh, miles on the road in our relationship. You know yeah, what I mean? As I was like driving down here, I was reflecting back on like the first time that we met and how our lives have diverged. And yet, like a DNA strand, keep wrapping upon each other. You know hey, what I mean? You, you were a high-flying uh, lawyer, entertainment lawyer, and I, I was uh, launching another startup that uh, belly flopped. <laughs> I know. Well, it's, it's, a, it's actually a really funny story. So I was practicing law. I had that little law firm with a couple other guys. And uh, I think the introduction was originally through Colin Houdon. Absolutely. Uh, who has stayed in our lives, and I'll get into that more in a second as well. But um, you, Colin, and Jared Krause, and Compton Rombata, who's also been huge in my life, were starting this little internet company called Good Life. That's right. Right? And uh, it was a little bit ahead of its time, I think. But what was the concept? Well, I mean, it was basically a socially conscious Yelp. So uh -huh. there just weren't enough enough of those businesses and enough of those people out there. But it was it was working to create a directory of the most conscious, eco friendly uh, businesses and services out there. Right, right, right. And so I kind of came on board as corporate legal counsel, yeah. and we had lots of meetings. <laughs> I remember with everyone together in your beautiful house. Yeah, you guys came up to the house, and uh, there was a lot of. Um, 
big aspirations for this uh, for this company that it didn't quite make it. Yeah. But the interesting thing is that uh, is that you guys all remained in in my life, and I've had like hundreds and hundreds of clients. You know, most of which come and go. I don't stay in touch with them, but for some reason, like you know, you guys are always have always been around. You know, like Compton goes on to be like really instrumental in my life and like my earliest nutrition mentor who like really taught me so much about how food works. And I mean, he was teaching me about the microbiome years, you know, now it's like zeitgeisty and everyone's talking about it, but like in 2000, you know, six or whatever, when I first met him, he was all about it. And, uh, and, and so he really helped change my life. And I remember that you would come to these good life meetings with a Mason jar with like some kind of green drink green in it. Green sludge. Yeah, green sludge. And we would all make fun of you. And like now everyone does that. But like, you know, that was still, I mean, it wasn't that long ago, but yet that was still kind well, of like a radical eight, thing. So eight, you were- Eight years ago. I know, you were on the tip, like you were way ahead of the curve on that kind of thing. <laughs> you know? uh, straight, in the same way that good life was, I suppose. Straight, straight off the hippie commune. I know, right? So, uh, and we're going to get into that too. Um, and then Colin uh, becomes- this sort of tea master, tea entrepreneur, opens up this tea shop. He's the one who introduces us to Wuda, who's been on the podcast twice. And now he's a Chinese medicine doctor and he's our acupuncturist. So he's very much in our life and is very close to Julie. And and the boys too. Tyler goes and sees him all the time. It's beautiful. Um, I haven't seen Jared so much lately, but he started, um, what was that? that uh, it's a, it's a, a trade. Yeah. Bar- a barter platform. Right. Trade. which is, is it doing well? I know it was doing really well a little while ago. I haven't I, checked. I, mean, on I think it it's recently. been up and down. Has it? Yeah. yeah. So whoops, the levels are a little bit weird here. I just want to balance that out. Um, but it is amazing that, uh, you know, everybody's been around. And you are- I, I reflect back on good life. And, uh, if I had that business now, uh, I mean, because we were actually booking a hundred thousand dollars in sales pre-launch, uh-huh. I could have easily raised ten or twenty million in this market <laughs> with that business. Time. But two thousand and eight just wiped <laughs> us out. That the the the, the recession just yeah. totally took us out. So, but yeah. it's all good. It's all compost and learning experiences. So. Of course, man. I mean, I, I would imagine you you must look back on it with gratitude oh, because totally. it's a it's, it's an experience that just informs what you're doing now, which is extraordinary, yeah, right? That's right. But let's bridge the gap between then and now. I mean, we're going to get into good life. I'm going to get into your hippie compound, Ojai life as well. But uh, as a serial entrepreneur, like after good life, like what did you then, you know, there's these years where I'm not quite, I mean, I would run into you occasionally. I saw you at Saul's wedding, you know, and stuff like that, but I wasn't really totally clued in as to what you've been up to. Well, I, I basically retrenched after 2008 and just focused on my jewelry business, Love mm-hmm. Heels, Love Heels. Which, is, which has been great. It's been, you know, we have 200 employees in Bali. It's a fair trade social enterprise business. We've planted over 2 million trees through the business, but it's, you know, it's been, it was just a retrenching, uh, studying what happened, uh, waiting for the market, thinking about what's next and, and just generally passionate about health and wellness. So, mm-hmm. you know, trying to figure out how to enter back into the market and what was the, what was the real problem that I could address and solve. Mm-hmm. And so were there a couple like fits and starts with other companies in the interim along the way or before thrive or no, I mean, no. I, I basically just 
retrenched with the jewelry business, grew it to, you know, a thousand stores. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, run that's it. a business that you run with your mom, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So my yeah, mom and cool. I run it. She's, 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 you know, bohemian hippie right. artist that was, you know, making jewelry Shocking. All, all over the world. Your and, mom uh, wasn't like a wall street executive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah, so it's, uh, it's still running. It's a beautiful little business and, uh, just been really in general, uh, you know, like, like all of us, you know, we want to apply our lives to something that has personal meaning and high impact. And, you know, your, your journey from a entertainment lawyer to where you are today as a thought leader is mm-hmm. very much, you know, the hero's journey. Right. And so we all, we all go through that in our own way. And, that has a, a, a retrenching process. It has its dangers. It has its yeah. challenges. Well, the critical aspect of that whole hero's journey is having the dark night of the soul. Right. Though. So did you, I mean, did you have a dark night of the soul? I mean, what was your yeah, kind I mean, of look, moment? 2009, January, mm-hmm. when the economic crisis was in full force, I, I remember doing a trade show in New York and, you know, normally that I would book a couple hundred grand in three days in sales for, for my jewelry business. And it was like three grand in sales mm-hmm. and the airport normally would be full of people. And there were, you know, like uh, 90, 95% less people. And the people that were on the airplane were like wearing masks. It was just, it was very apocalyptic. Yeah, the, whole, yeah. the whole circumstance. Do you foresee a bubble happening right now as a, as an internet entrepreneur? It's pretty interesting. There was a, there's a, a pretty, um, compelling article in the latest uh, issue of Vanity Fair uh, on the subject of whether we're on a bubble or not. Yeah, I mean, I think there's... By def- Nick Bilton, who yeah, writes there's, for the there's definitely, um, there's definitely bubbles, um, and there's uh, businesses that are being capitalized at super high valuations that, that you know, shouldn't be rationalized. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the beauty of our business is that we're actually, we have real sales, real revenue, real assets. Uh, it's a real business. I mean, mm-hmm. we're... we're we're in our 11th month in business on an 80 million uh, revenue run rate. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's the, the previous sort of uh, catchphrase for it would have been that it really is a bricks and mortar business, but it's kind of more than that. It's, it, it falls into, in my mind, that category of business that's, that's, that's super successful online right now, which is really um, about as much as anything else, it's about effective distribution, right? right? Whether it's Uber, like getting cars to go where they need to go. Yours is about getting healthy foods, you know, where they need to go at a price point that makes sense for people. It's a disintermediation, right? I mean, I think there's this incredible moment in the 21st century where we can use the internet to go direct to our audience, just the way that you are with your audience. You know, that's such an exciting opportunity where we're no longer uh, at the service that we're subservient to intermediaries Mm -hmm. and we can use the internet and all of the technologies that have emerged and new media to really have a direct conversation with the world at scale and whatever the, the thing that is that we're passionate about if it's solving a real problem or it's addressing mm-hmm. a real issue that people have a resonance around, it's going to scale very quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, some of my favorite companies that have come on board to be podcast sponsors are those disintermediary kind of disruptive businesses like Warby Parker or Casper or Harry's where they're just cutting out the middlemen and they're able to provide like the high quality product at a fraction of the price that you would find in the store because you're not dealing with all the nonsense. That's right. Yeah. And that's exactly what we're doing with health food. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's cutting out all the the middlemen and uh, eliminating the retail markup and then passing that along to our members. And 
that's, you know, for us, I mean, the thing is, it's such a direct extension of, you know, my personal experience growing up on a hippie commune where we right. had, a, we ran a food co-op for well, the let's, last 30 let's years. Go, let's like, let's park it there though. Uh, and let's go back to, you know, life as young Gennar in, in Ojai running free on a farm. I mean, what does that look like? I mean, it sounds like... I mean, you, it you like, really did. I mean, people talk about like, oh, I had a hippie growing up experience, but like you really did, right? Yeah, definitely. definitely. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I mean, were I, you homeschooled or like... Yeah, we, we ran a school off the property, but I uh-huh. mean, even even prior to that, you know, I was, you know, born of uh, two, two, hippie children, two hippie parents that were, you know, unmarried, you know, uh, had, had a love affair in Ibiza, Spain, you know, um, then, then immigrated here to the, to the U S um, mm-hmm. that relationship didn't last. And so then I ended up living here with my mom as a single mother for a number of years. And, and just the, just the, imp- the impression that that left upon me seeing her, you know, there were months at a time where we would just like live off of rice. I mean, it right. was like, you know, really humble times. Mm-hmm. So it sounds, sounds, were there a bunch of people living on this? Is it the same so this property? Is even, that, this is even prior to prior us to moving to, uh, so I, when I was like seven years old, um, my mom met my stepfather. And so he was the one running this, uh, organic farm and, and this food co-op. And so they, they, they fell in love and we moved to this, this hippie commune, which was, you know, really very, very humble circumstance, uh, five acres, a, a stream. Uh, and we've, you know, over the thir- last 30 years, we've, you know, planted 500 fruit trees and built, wow. built, built the house and a main kitchen where everybody eats mm-hmm. and lots of cabins and just kind of, you know, I've been through the whole gamut of that, that experience, but you know, it sounds very idyllic. Um, at some level, uh, on other levels, yeah. You know, there's like, a, there's I, was, a, I was a pretty traumatized little boy. <laughs> there's a lot so. of emotional toil. Well, there's that like romantic idea of you know the unicorns and rainbow idea of like growing up hippie with all these people around to sort of you know sub parent you, and yeah. then the reality of like I just want to like take a shower and go right. to the bathroom and right. like eat like a decent meal. Totally. Or, you know what I mean? Totally, yeah. Right. And and it, it got more idyllic later on, um, you know. Probably that was mostly after like, the trauma. It yeah, was yeah, fully lodged. Yeah, in your exactly, exactly. Uh, but you know, I mean, it it is it is a it was a real eye opener just mm-hmm. seeing the benefit of you know, like I have you know fifty aunts and uncles. Um, you know, one taught me computer programming. One taught me bike riding. Another taught me nonviolent communication. So there was there was mm-hmm. definitely a lot of really interesting educational exposure that emerged out of that type of, out of that type of, uh, and you uh, never went to like normal high school. Or no, no, like I did. Oh, I did. did. So we ran a school out of the property, uh-huh. uh, up until junior high. And so then after that, I went to the public school, which was actually the, mo- like the most challenging year of my life going from, you know, a school of like 15 really sweet, like sensitive people to a thousand people and, you know, last name Lovelace um, in, in a a thousand person school that, you know, I was fat, overweight kid with a last name Lovelace from the hippie commune. So Uh it was like Lord of the Flies. Uh That was, that was not, uh, not, not a good, not, (laughs) but it it gave me a lot of compassion Uh for people that don't fit in. So I, I work with that, uh, sense of compassion and empathy every day. Mm -hmm. And so from there, did you, did you go to college after that or what, what was the next thing? Yeah. So I, I actually ended up, um, 
uh, going to UC Santa Cruz, mm-hmm. had a great adventure of there. Of course. Uh, There's no other college for you, right? right? That's right. <laughs> Where else are you going to go? That's right. <laughs> and, and, and uh, the, you know, three of the four years that I was there, you know, I was living in the woods in a tree house on, on behind campus. So, <laughs> so, you know, I had a really, full... as much as you're trying to escape the commune, you're finding yourself creating your own. I, version I wasn't actually that. trying to escape. Those, okay. are, those are your words. All but, right. Yeah, uh, you're right. You're right. You're um, right. I don't mean, I, to I, no, no, that's fine. I actually, I did, I did end up reacting to it later on. Um, so I dropped out of school and uh, out of college and started my first software company and, mm-hmm. uh, was really successful with that quickly sold that business in a year. And then, um, and then I ended up finding myself in a pretty dark circumstance in LA where like I was working for and serving people that really didn't have uh, high values. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was, um, you know, that was a, that was a really amazing experience. that was, uh, very informative, um, and, you know, I remember waking up uh, one morning, tw- you know, 25 years old. Uh, I was, you know, cheating on my girlfriend at the time. I was like in a very, like, terrible place in my life. And uh, and I just like this instant, um, like, recognition that I couldn't proceed with that life hit me uh, with like this, like, total visceral force. And spontaneously after that this unconditional love for uh george bush and dick cheney like emerged (laughs) and i was like whoa because these guys have been like the epitome of evil for me up until this point in my Uh life and i realized that you know uh, it's no wonder men do what they do growing up in houses of fear the way that that you know we're you know power is trained and passed along um from father to son and the way that power and wealth concentrates at this point in our, in the evolution of our species. And, you know, we're, we're, we're modeling behavior that is given to us. And so, you know, in a culture that rewards, uh, profit and greed above all else, um, you know, that's, it's no wonder that we end up doing what we do. Uh Well, that's a pretty profound epiphany as a young man. And of course there's no, you know, there's no reaction without the, the action that incites it, right? Everything is rooted in a reason that precedes it and in the Buddhist idea of there's no, you know, there's no part without the whole and no whole without the part. That's but right. to be able to kind of have that, um, you know, realization, that's, that's a powerful thing. Man. Yeah, it was. So how it did was. that, did that empower you to immediately kind of change your yeah, circumstance? I immediately shut that company that I had running and, uh, and actually started my jewelry business with my mom. That mm-hmm. was, that was really the beginning of that. Love Heals. Is that, is that the genesis of the name Love Heals? Uh, I mean, it's partly, it was, yeah. it was definitely an interest in creating a brand in a business that was more than just an individual, but stood for an idea of uh, a more holistic uh, way of, you know, being in the world. Right, right, right. You know, the sun does not discriminate in where it shines. That's right. You know, that's right. So, uh, all right, well, let's, let's, let's fast. We, we already went through kind of good life and all of that. So where does the kind of kernel of, of the idea for Thrive start to crop up? I mean, was this your idea or how did this whole thing come together? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, as much as anything is our ideas, right? We're, we're all, right. we're all cu- cumulative summation of everything that has come right. before we just, us. We, I just made that point, right? right. So, we, yeah, we, we take possession of them as our personal identity, <laughs> yeah. but... Uh, well, in an epigenetic sense, it goes back generations, that's right. right? That's right. So, we can't yeah. take credit for anything. But, but uh, yeah, so I think actually what, what actually ended up happening is um, we... I was organizing a group of people going to Burning Man and we set up a bunch of wholesale accounts with the brands that I really love. And, and then when we, we, we went through that exercise and started to receive, understand the benefits of having uh, wholesale access. And then 
coming back from that experience, I started running some shopping events with mm-hmm. friends. I was like, hey, who wants to buy Health Force this this week or whatever whatever the brand was? And those shopping events were so oversubscribed and there was so much demand for it. And I'd, I'd always known that people were interested in being able to access healthy products for less, but the the, mm-hmm. the intensity of the demand was so extreme that it led me to you know try to think about how we could create a platform that harnessed that energy, facilitated that in a way that was really scalable, mm-hmm. um, and that that really was the genesis. And at that point, I started to apply myself with singular focus on uh, Thrive Market, creating a scalable platform that you know really leveraged uh, the best of a co-op model in a 21st century context that, you know, stripped out the hippiness, kept mm-hmm. the heart and soul, but made healthy food available to uh, everyone at lower prices. Right. I, I sort of conceptualize it as, and tell me if this is fair or unfair, it's sort of, uh, you know, Costco meets Whole Foods in a direct-to-consumer internet model, right? That, you know, that's right on the commerce side, but we're investing heavily in media and content. So, mm-hmm. Um, so that's that that's that's exactly the um, analog um, in terms of the online commerce component. But then, the the general thesis is that health and wellness is now a lifestyle trend, and it's like fashion. And mm-hmm. um, health and wellness is is a fundamentally uh, very scalable organizing principle that transcends ideology. Whether you're liberal or conservative, everybody wants to feel healthy. Everybody wants the same thing for their children. Right. And um, and there's a lot of education and information and questions around how to do it. There's no like one way of how to do it, but everybody mm-hmm. wants to digest media and content like your podcast and like have a connection and understand and be guided through the process. And so we're you know simultaneously with the commerce, we're investing heavily into content and media. Yeah, that's cool. I, I like that idea very much. Um, you know, it is. I mean, how do you? What do you attribute to the sort of uh, explosion of this interest and this trend of, you know, intrigue around all things wellness? I mean, you know, it, it's not it's not the purview of the hippie commune in Ohio right. anymore. This That's is right. a mainstream That's concept. Right. It, it is very modern. Uh, it's confusing. You right. know, there's all kinds of craziness on the Internet and it's easy to kind of go down some, you know, like black hole of nonsense. But I think that the level of, you know, average modern family consumer interest in like living healthy, healthier and getting good foods and all of that is unprecedented. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's so exciting to me at that level. Uh, I've been looking for an organizing principle that could bring people together in a really powerful way that transcends the normal divisions. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like I get to be part of a conversation that is so powerful and so universal. I mean, we, we're at with one of our investors, Dr. Mark Hyman, who, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, self-identified, know, know self-identified uh-huh. pegan. The pegan. Um, yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he, we're at, we're at a Saddleback church, which is the largest mega church in oh, the country Rick, uh, with what, pastor Rick Warren. Mm-hmm. He's designed a, a meal plan and a health plan with, with, uh, Dr. Mark Hyman and, and Daniel, Aim, Dr. Daniel Aiman right. with, with pastor Rick Warren. And, you know, I'm in the, in the congregation, it's being syndicated to hundreds of churches, thousands of people in the, in the congregation live. And they're talking about 
the the health plan and it's like avocado cacao pudding and quinoa and coconut oil is like the like the center point of their their dietary mm-hmm. um, recommendations as like healthy fats. I almost fall out of the chair as I'm like, this is the conversation that we'd have in the hip, the hippie commune ten right. years ago. Right, right, right. And here yeah, is, this is what's in your green sludge. That right, bringing you to the meeting. This, back is, in this the day. is this is mainstream, you know, Christian conservative America having a conversation around uh, avocado cacao pudding and quinoa and coconut oil. And um, to your point, this is now a mainstream movement. But why now? Like, what do you think? It, like, in kind of a meta, you know, perspective of you know culture, it's like, a food crisis, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just the generally. I mean, I think I think we're now faced with a hundred billion dollars a year spent on diabetes and obesity related illnesses. Um, there's a real awakening among consumers of all types where they want to vote with their dollars. And of course they want value for themselves and they're motivated by self-interest. But at the end of the day, uh, all things being equal, they want to put their dollars towards something that actually speaks to their values in a really direct way. So the intersection of this incredible food crisis and the awakening of a conscious mainstream consumer that wants to vote with their dollars has created this huge mm-hmm. movement now that is starting to work to address those needs. Right. It's such an interesting time because there really are two Americas. Like you have, you know, the, you know, Rick Warren's, you know, massive church and people talking about healthy foods. You have people like you and I, you have this low Haas movement, this massive, you know, interest in wellness. And yet at the same time, there's another America where one out of every three people dies of a heart attack. 70% of Americans are obese or overweight. Uh, you know, 50% of Americans are, are diabetic or pre-diabetic. And like at some point, these two worlds have to wrestle with each other and we have to reconcile that. And they and are. They are right they now. They are right now. Yeah. That we're in that battle. That's right. You know and, what I mean? And I think one of the impediments towards the wellness side winning is has to do with socioeconomic constraints. That's right. you know, it, it's the common joke. Like it's not Whole Foods, it's Whole Paycheck. Like yeah. who has the amount of money to go and spend what it takes to create cacao, chia seed, put it, you know, it's like, I can't afford these superfoods. Right. Like who can, you know, like it's just easier to go to McDonald's and buy subsidized beef, get, you know, feed my family for four bucks. That's right. Well, you just hit on it, right? So it's, it's why do products with lots of chemicals and processing cost less than ones with no chemicals and processing? It's, it's subsidized. It's economies of scale and crony capitalism. Mm-hmm. So we've, we've, we're at the intersection of a very efficient industrial agricultural uh, food ag system that is, you know, playing off of, uh, you know, very entrenched political economic interests that, you know, basically your, you know, World War II holdovers of converting a World War II military economy into pesticides and corn subsidies, which have now, you know, arrived at this perfect moment of highly processed food that we've been sold over the last 20 years that a low fat, low calorie diet of complex processed carbs is somehow good for us, which has given birth to the, you know, obesity explosion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so here you are. Thrive Market here to uh, provide uh, a direct-to-consumer solution, right? So essentially, the idea is that anything that you would get at Whole Foods, you can get at Thrive. It's just mailed to you instead, and it's at uh, you know a fraction of the price. I don't know. Is there like a 
It's 25 to 50% off on average. It's like like 34% 34 off of a normal health food retail price. And like Costco, it's like a membership model. Like you buy a membership, right? Yeah, so it's it's $60 a year for a membership to Thrive Market. Mm -hmm. That gives you access to the the catalog of products. It's everyday sizes, so it's not 72 rolls of toilet paper. But for the first time, you can buy... You know, 70 loads of non-toxic laundry detergent for the same price that a big box shopping club is selling 70 loads of toxic laundry detergent with hormone and endocrine disruptors. And it's literally that, that, that specific. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. that's to me, that's really exciting where we're, you know, we're, we're offering these products in the normal everyday sizes that people want them. So you're not having to deal with the storage issue. It's free shipping to people wherever they are nationally. They're able to access the products for the same price as conventional equivalents for the first time in history. And it's through a membership community. And then mm-hmm. our, our part of our social mission is for every paid membership, we give a membership away to a family in need. So if you can't afford the membership, we want to find a way to get you one anyway. Oh, cool. I like that. The Seva aspect of it, yeah, right? Definitely. Um, and so from an entrepreneurial kind of businessman perspective, I mean, the model here, the sort of monetization profit model is you guys make money off the memberships and you're selling these products at, at their wholesale price. So you're not really making money off we break the products. Even. We break you break even, even on yeah, that, right? Definitely. So I got you. Yeah, it's great. It's amazing somebody didn't do this sooner. Well, you people know, have tried, right? It, well, like, the thing is actually uh, existing retailers in the health food space, and I'm not going to name names, were holding the market back. They mm-hmm. were basically saying if you sell to natural, they were basically saying to natural product brands, if you sell to a value channel, we'll pull you from the shelves. Mm-hmm. And what actually created the opening for us was Costco. Costco emerged as an alternative retail channel where it became uh, it became. A fair rationale for the brands to be able to say, "Hey, I'm selling into a membership community, so I can rationalize a different price than my normal existing retail." Mm, interesting. And because natural products is the fastest growing segment of Costco's business, it, yeah, I think they're the biggest organic retailer in the, the country. Well, right Kroger, now. Kroger's actually oh, now really? the biggest, but uh-huh. they're they're the biggest club retailer. Uh-huh. And and so you know, friends of mine that you know now sell to Costco and the other obvious big ones. You know they're getting thirty and fifty million dollar a year POs in aggregate from Costco, which is now equal to or greater than they would get from, say, a Whole Foods. And so when there's pressure put on them, they now have the leverage to say, "Look, you know, you need my business as much as you know I need you. I'm getting more business from alternate channels, and uh, this is a different model selling into membership." And that created the opening for us. So mm. that that's mm-hmm. really in the last two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we couldn't have started this business even three years ago. Interesting, interesting. Um, I mean, just as kind of a primer course on how all this stuff works, I think people would be very interested to, you know, kind of hear about the elementary steps of what is entailed. For example, if you're like a small food producer, let's say you have an organic cookie company, right. like you're new. Right. And obviously the prize, the goal is like, oh, if we could just get on the, the shelf at Whole Foods. Right. And, you know, just because you write a book doesn't mean that it ends up in Barnes and Noble, right? right? There's thousands of books that get that get written every year. Just because you have a food product doesn't mean that it finds its way onto the shelves at a place like Whole Foods. In fact, there's a whole like sort of, you know, auction bidding process that goes into that. And my understanding from being kind of arm's length away from it is that, you know, when you're a player like Whole Foods, you have you hold all the cards, you have all the leverage and you can compel a small producer like that to say, well, we like it, you know, um, but, you know, it's got to be at this price. And it's a price that that the food manufacturer is not is is 
not only are they not going to make any money off it, they'll probably lose money off right. it. But it's so prestigious, it's sort of like an ad buy. It's like having a billboard. Just right. say, I'm in Whole Foods. Right. They'll do that deal anyway, even though they're losing money. And as a consumer, you see their product on the shelf and you think, oh, well, they must be doing very well. But the, the economic reality of that is quite often very, very different. Yeah, so it's really rare that you get an entrepreneur that has the ability to create a really unique product and actually raise the 5 or $10 million that you mm-hmm. need to break through that initial painful phase. Right. Um, and it's not only Whole Foods that do it. All the major right. grocery, they play that same game. And so and there's you, a whole science to where on the shelf it is totally. and how many in a row and all that well, kind and that's, of stuff. Well, and that's, that's part of the the intermediation, right? So you've got you know the manufacturer of the product and you've got the distributors and then you have the brokers and you have the slotting fees mm-hmm. and then you have the retail games. Yeah, how and, many middlemen are there? All of that that just slices and kills the, the food manufacturer. And so you've got a product that you know they themselves want to see their products be accessible they themselves feel raped by the current uh, distribution retail mm-hmm. paradigm and so that's part of what has made our model work so well as we've got such deep partnerships with the brands because they share the mission of making their products accessible they don't they don't see that retail markup that's going to all the intermediation and so what what's exciting about a platform like thrive is we can tell the story of those brands and their products in a really direct-to-consumer format, beautiful videos, great written content about their products, about their supply chain, what's unique, and then also pass all of that intermediate savings along to the member Mm -hmm. um, and while making more money for the brand themselves. What is the meaning of life? What happens when we die? What is our purpose here? If like me, you ponder these delicious existential questions, I have got just the thing for you. It's called Soul Boom. It's a podcast hosted by everyone's favorite best friend and my friend, the deep thinking and deeply hilarious Rain Wilson, where he communes with intellectuals and entertainers, theologians and philosophers in intimate exchanges that tickle the mind, heart, and yes, the soul. Subscribe to Soul Boom on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. You are listening to this podcast because you care about improving your health and your well-being. But this quest is incomplete if you have yet to add my friend Dr. Rangan Chatterjee's Feel Better, Live More podcast into your listening quiver. An RRP favorite and someone I'm personally quick to call when I'm in need of good advice. From nutrition to mindset, fitness, and relationships, each episode is packed with the tools you need to become the architect of your health. Subscribe to Feel Better, Live More, available wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. There are certain rare people who have a powerful voice and know how to use it. My friend Amanda Decadene is one such human. The podcast is called The Conversation because it is the conversation, a groundbreaking series of raw and honest exchanges on the issues that matter most, mental health, sex, politics, ambition, gender roles, and more. Listen to The Conversation wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. Yeah. 
you know, I can't have this conversation without thinking about kind of the recent history surrounding uh, Hampton Creek and Just Mayo and what Josh Tetrick is building there and, and you know, kind of what happens when you are uh, this maverick kind of upstart who's disrupting, you know, the kind of predominant paradigm that surrounds, you know, the food industry by offering this healthier product at a more affordable price. And that's all fine and in, in this sort of utopian idealistic world. But as soon as that starts to infringe upon the profit margins of Unilever, you know, that makes Heilman's mayonnaise, then it's a different story. And then they start fighting back and it becomes very dark and, and you know, all kinds of craziness is going on. So for those that are listening that aren't familiar, just Google Hampton Creek and you'll find out like kind of the story of this lawsuit. And I've talked about it before on the podcast. So my question really is, have you come up against any of that kind of, you know, predominant paradigm resistance? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. hey man, who yeah. do you think you are? Like, this is the way we do it. You know, we're Kroger, we're Safeway or, or whatever. Like, you can't do what you're doing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's emerging where mm-hmm. brands will call us that we're really excited in the beginning and, and they won't say names, ball. but they say, hey, like, we're, if I we're, do this, we're, then like, we're, 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 we're under pressure now from other retailers because right. the price that you're offering to your membership. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we've had a little bit of fallout there. Um, you know, we really try to, uh, keep a really aspirational focus to the business. Um, I obviously come from a, like a hardcore activist background, so it's really easy for me to like, get all punk rock, I get all punk rock. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, but I, I've got great co-founders that keep me in line on that and, and really like keeping the eye uh-huh. on the prize. This is a mainstream movement. And so punk and our love heels, that's remember? Right. Love heels, the revolution. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're really focused on, uh, positive solutions that really solve people's problems in a really scalable way versus mm-hmm. getting into a reactive place. That said, we, you know, we'll take real stands on issues. We're the largest retailer today in the country that offers only GMO free foods. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're, we're, we're taking real stands on specific areas. Um, but we're very careful about how we do that in a way that doesn't alienate people and create extra conflict and friction in our business. Right. I mean, have you ever have you ever met John Mackey or had any conversations with people at Whole Foods about what you're doing? Yeah, I mean, they're great people. I love I love, you know, I think I think they've really helped the movement in a really powerful way. Like they created standards, they created economies of scale. Like I, I would not want someone to think that I think Whole Foods is evil. I think, you know, it's symptomatic of a momentum of a business model that is basically under assault in general across the board. The idea of, of just shopping in a store, a physical store, just the retail store, the expense that it requires, the, the distribution system that has emerged to, to, to create and support that mm-hmm. it's very, very hard for them to change their, their ship overnight. And which is, you know, you can see like they're trying to create 365 now, which is a chain of curated millennial focused brands, mm-hmm. a store retail concept. That's, you know, value channel. Um, that's going to be very, very expensive and very, very difficult. The beauty of an internet model is the efficiency of capital for us is so high you know, with the $30 million we just raised recently, we get such leverage off of it. We get such scale off of it right from day one. We're offering a solution from day one that reaches every every American mm-hmm. and uh, and doesn't take, you know, five years to build out 50 retail stores that is only still reaching 2% of the U.S. population. Right. So, I mean, one of the things that you share in common with John Mackey is this... Uh, 
you know, is this philosophy of conscious capitalism, right? And he's certainly, you know, a pioneer of that Mm -hmm. idea. He wrote a whole book about it. Um, And I know that you've spoken publicly, you know, you've you've given talks on this subject matter as well. Um, And it's a a subject that I've devoted quite a bit of thought to. um, And by kind of way of contrast, I had... uh, Daniel Pinchback on the podcast yeah, a while ago. I, I, do you know Daniel? Course, I'm sure. Of yeah. course you do, right? We, yeah. We've gone to Burning Fellow Man Burning together. Man <laughs> person, right? And, uh, you know, Daniel, as you know, is sort of a brooding deep thinker. Uh, Brilliant prob- guy. Yeah, very, very smart. Uh, perhaps not as optimistic as you. Um, and he, he, was, he had a very interesting perspective on conscious capitalism, which is essentially uh, at its root. He's like, I think it's bullshit. Like, I don't, it's just a, it's a marketing spin on capitalism, that's designed to make people feel good about the, you know, what they're purchasing. But in reality, if there wasn't a sort of profit motive built into it, um, it wouldn't exist at all. So I'm interested in your, especially since you know Daniel, like what your sort of perspective on that idea would be. In terms of conscious capitalism being bullshit? Well, just, just your philosophy of conscious capitalism and, and perhaps your retort to Daniel's perspective. I mean, I, I love Daniel, so I, I, I probably wouldn't get into retorting his perspective. But I, I think that, um, you know, look, fundamentally, the realization that I've had is instead of fighting against uh, an obsolete system, the, the imperative that I can apply uh, my God-given gifts and talents is to build a new model that is sexy and compelling that solves real problems that naturally attracts people and naturally uh, in a very rapid fashion makes the old model obsolete. Mm-hmm. And I think that well, now you're just crazy talk. No, that's, you know, but that's actually very no, practical. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, very no, actually, that's, that's what I'm saying. I'm yeah. being ironic. Oh, gotcha. You, gotcha. You. You're playing the devil's <laughs> yes. advocate here. Uh, look, I, I think, I think there's a lot of greenwashing out there for sure. Um, and it's a very delicate, I mean, like I see that even in our own business as we mm-hmm. scale and how do we message and what's this and the, like, that's a, that's, that just happens, you know, as a business grows. Um, but the fundamental movement of, uh, this huge emergence of conscious companies with ethical supply chains offering healthy, natural, non-toxic products to consumers in a direct-to-consumer format, that is a paradigm shift that is going to ripple in such profound ways. And it's infecting the culture and the way that people think of the way they run their businesses mm-hmm. and the way they vote with their dollars. And and the systemic effect of that is profound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Um how does your uh, your spiritual cat, right? You just got back from Burning Man. By the way, how was Burning Man? It's great. I brought, yeah. brought my dad, my girlfriend, Did you? my sister, my <laughs> brother, four aunts and uncles. We were there for a cousin's wedding. It was a beautiful family affair. That's uh, so hilarious. How many times have you gone to Burning Man? Uh, I've gone like 12 times. Have you? Yeah. But <laughs> I we still do, haven't gone. We did a very, we had six motorhomes and we had a beautiful uh, organic lush. food program uh, and it was great. It was very, very, very sweet, simple. It wasn't like lots of drugs and craziness. It was like babies and family and very healthy. Uh huh. Do you think Burning Man has been able to hold on to its kind of ethos or yeah. has it become? Yeah, yeah. I know, I know Daniel is pretty, pretty upset about that. Too. I just read, read an article yeah. from him about yeah, that yeah. this year. That was year. another thing that he, uh, he was, he was uh, lambasting. I actually am, I, I, I play with all the people that he's critical of. Um, mm-hmm. I became really good friends with the you know management of Burning Man. Uh, I, I you know I I work in the same circles as a lot of the top tech entrepreneurs. There's an awakening happening. People with a lot of money and resources um, and access are wanting to apply those resources in conscious ways. Mm-hmm. 
Sure, there's a lot of like glitz and frill that goes along with that at times, but the fundamental thing that people are waking up to in in that community is they they're here to serve something else than their own self motive, mm-hmm. and and it's not pure profit. There is actually a real generous spirit moving through, and people are asking the hard question of how do I apply the incredible resources that I have available to me to something better and greater that uh, facilitates community and facilitates a sustainable future. It's real, right? Like, I feel like that really is real. It's real. And I feel like that that is the defining characteristic of the generation below us, right? Like, it's easy to throw darts at millennials. Oh, they're entitled. They're lazy. But I really do feel that they have an appreciation for giving back and their priorities are much more kind of uh, morally aligned than the way in which or the culture in which I was raised, and I find that to be very inspiring and optimistic. And I don't think that it's lip service. I really do feel that there is that sensitivity to um, to a greater good uh, that that is like runs through the the central nervous system of most young people that I come across. Now, you know, I'm in the wellness community and I seek out young people to be on the podcast. So it's like, I'm finding those people. I'm not finding like the neck beard guy in his mom's, you know, basement playing, you know, video games all day or what have you. So perhaps it's a tainted, uh, uh, you know, value set or whatever, but, but I feel it in the air and I feel it in the culture. And I think when you see people like yourself and other business leaders, particularly, um, you know, kind of thought leaders in the tech world, who make a point of going to Burning Man to have this kind of, you know, Vulcan mind meld uh, experience like that says something. Yeah, you know power, what I mean? It's, like it's powerful. And like there's, there's the all... Vanderbilts and the Murdochs were not like sort of getting together under those kinds of circumstances. They were doing it in cloistered, you know, mansions where nobody could see what they were doing. And, and God knows what was going on. That's you right. know what I mean? This That's is a right. very different era. Right. Yeah. And there's a real conversation about in general, aside from Burning Man, there's a real conversation about. How do we apply the resources we have towards creating a world that is sustainable and equitable for more people, more stakeholders? And I think the whole conversation around externalities is such a such an important one because, you know, to, to Daniel's critique on the capital market is that it creates such specialization and abstraction from the supply chain that we don't see the toxins from the, the mm-hmm. color dyes that go into the river in this from the sweatshop labor. Uh, in Southeast Asia that are poisoning children, we don't see that. And we Not only do we not see it, we're purposely deflected away. You know, there's all sorts of smoke and mirrors to prevent us from being able to see it even if we want to. Yeah, I'm not that cynical about it. I don't actually, I mean, there's definitely um, smoke and mirrors that happens, um, but I don't think it's actually that. I don't think there's that much uh, central power. I think people are basically fundamentally playing to their own self-interest and that collides into a macroeconomic system where we're just abstracted from what's happening on the other side of the world where our products are being produced. Yeah, but I think it is it's pretty dark in certain respects. Like whether you, you know, whether it's, you know, the factory where your iPhone is made or, you know, the pig farm totally. where your totally. bacon is made, totally. like these are these are yeah. dire desperate yeah. situations yeah. that, you know, we just don't even want to look at, right? Yeah. And when you look at sort of the politicization, you were talking about greenwashing, like look what's happening to simply organic certification, like because these big food companies are so powerful, it's been watered down because they know that they can make more money and charge more if they get that certification. So it doesn't quite mean what it used to mean. And 
you know, I'm sure that you see that kind of thing happening totally. all the time. Yeah, and, and I, I wouldn't dismiss the darkness there. There's a yeah. lot of, I mean, we're in the midst of the sixth largest extinction in the history of the planet. So like, there's a lot going on here. <laughs> yeah. At the same time, and kind of getting back to the, you know, the optimistic vein of all of this, uh, and, and, and specifically with respect to millennials, there is a demand for transparency that is unprecedented, right? right? It's It's expected, you know, and a company that's not willing to be transparent in terms of its, um, you know, sort of chain of title over its product line and manufacturing and distribution, et cetera, just ain't going to cut it anymore. Well, I think, I think for me, money is energy. It's literally that simple. Like we think of money as this monolithic thing. It's literally energy. It's just a currency of exchange. And so the question is who's behind the money and what are they motivated by? And if so somebody is motivated by fear and greed, which is the traditional human software paradigm that has been running us for a long time, it's going to be more of the same. If we're motivated by a, a sense of service and willingness to contribute our lives to something greater than our own self-interest, then the, the money and the concentration of that wealth is going to be put to great effect. So young people have an upgraded operating system. We just have to download the uh, I think the we're in the, I the think the we're patch. in the midst of upgrading our operating <laughs> yeah. system in general. Right. But it's a little tweaky and buggy right now. It's very tweaky and buggy. Yeah. So, I mean, what does the future hold, Gunnar? Look into that Ojai crystal ball <laughs> yeah, and tell exactly. me where this is all leading. Uh, well, I think we're, we're clearly at, at crossroads. I mean, we're... we're we're at a, a place in our species where there's more than 7 billion of us on the planet. And that, that explosion in our population from, you know, over the last 200,000 years, I mean, you know, World War II, there were 2 billion of us on the planet. And so in the last three and a half generations, three generations, we've gone from 2 billion to more than 7 billion. Mm-hmm. And that has been facilitated by the agricultural revolution. It would not have happened without the industrialization and scaling of, of agriculture and so the production of food and distribution of food is absolutely primary to why we've been so successful as a species, but it's also now primary to the challenges that we face as a species. And so it's absolutely incumbent upon us to envision a world where we produce food that is good for the planet and good for our bodies and is affordable for everybody. And if we can do that, we will pass a world along that is regenerative, it is sustainable, and it is equitable, and it will that will cut across so many different supply chains. If we don't do that, we're going to pass along more extreme versions of what we're seeing with intense you know, climate change, disease, war, war you know, that this, somebody was pointing out, one of our investors was pointing out uh, the other day that the Syrian war is the first climate change war. It is, it is intense drought that drove the rural agricultural community in Syria into the cities. The, the cities could no longer provide the services, and then, and then ISIS came, came along because there was d- disruption in the services oh, that were being provided. I, yeah, I hadn't and thought and, of and it we now have context. 11 million people in Syria that are on the move because of the first climate change war. And so that's a really interesting reframe on that circumstance. And so we're, we're you know, we, we all see it. We all feel it. We look, read the news, the sense of desperation. I think a lot of ways that's why we feel like millennials and young people are apathetic is there really is, there is a sense of hopelessness out there. And how do people, uh, how do people engage, you know, Barack mm-hmm. Obama for, uh, you know, sold the country on a very aspirational message. And in matter of fact, the actual result of that has been very, very diluted. And there's so many instances of, of these great 
things that have been sold to people that tap into that sense of hopefulness and, and aspiration and possibility. And then the actual result of them is very watered down. And right. And when it doesn't play out, you're like, well, if Barack couldn't get it done, like it ain't happening. Right. You know what I mean? So right. it's easy to just sort of like for, say, forget about it. That's right. You That's know right. what I mean? Um, I love that monologue that you just gave. It was amazing. That's why I gave you a copy of Cowspiracy because it's completely on that tip. Um, you know, by 2100, they're predicting that that uh, that population could swell to 11 billion. That's right. It's like our current paradigm for feeding the planet is broken. It's wasteful. It's unsustainable, and it's killing the planet. And look at any category from ocean pollution to land use to water use to Amazon destruction to species extinction to, you know, the 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 algal blooms and the, I mean, it's just ridiculous across the board. And we just cannot continue to you know walk through this crisis with blinders on. Right. We're at the tipping point, if not beyond it. And you know, the truth is, is that we can solve this problem using the entrepreneurial ingenuity that people like you are leveraging. Well, so I mean, you it's too, exciting. right? You're part of that. I, I but actually, it's one person at a time. That's right. Like, uh, you know what I mean? Like yeah. this podcast is me giving out the flyer at, at Santa Cruz. That's it's right. the only thing that I can do. Well, but the thing is, it's different, right? It's 500 people that the, the, the protest in Santa Cruz, it's a hundred thousand mm-hmm. people here, right? The scale now that because you're, the because you've got thing. a resonant message, people are attracted to it and they can reach it now through the internet. I think even, you know, in parallel to conscious capitalism is actually a much more fundamental piece, which is personal empowerment and personal transformation. If we're ruled by fear and self-doubt and self-limiting beliefs, we will never be able to express ourselves to our full potential. And to me, that is the fundamental software upgrade that we have to go through as a species. We have obsolete biological technology that is based upon fight or flight response. And that's been a very successful evolutionary technology that has gotten us to where we are. But unless we can rapidly shift that orientation and our awareness and our consciousness and how we make decisions, we're going to we're not going to be able to make the critical mm-hmm. jump that we have to make. Mm-hmm. But you're optimistic. Yeah, that we're going to be able to do yeah, it. Yeah, there's an awakening happening on all fronts. Definitely. Yeah. I mean. I'm an optimistic human being, so like uh-huh. I, I've never seen the way through any love thing heals, is, man. I've never seen the way through any <laughs> any solution that I've tried to uh-huh. uh, apply myself towards. But I, you know, I, I move personally from a place of like, at the end of the day, even if it's all going to turn into a crazy madhouse. I would rather live in a world where I feel a sense of hopefulness. You take it to the grave, like I, wishing, I, I'm going to take it to the grave. The best. Yeah, that's right. It. There is so much health information out there. It can feel overwhelming and leave even the most well-intentioned confused about what's what and who to trust. Well, the first person that I call when I'm seeking clarity is my friend and nutrition expert, Simon Hill, host of the fantastic podcast, The Proof. Each week, Simon matches wits with brilliant scientists, translating their evidence-based insights into actionable tools for better well-being. Subscribe to The Proof, available wherever you get your podcasts, and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. I'm super proud to announce my next venture, Voicing Change Media. This beautiful consortium of thinkers, storytellers, artists, and visionaries all committed to fostering meaningful exchanges and sharing thought-provoking content. Voicing Change Media will feature shows like The Proof, 
with Simon Hill, Soul Boom with Rain Wilson, Mentor Buffet with Alexi Pappas, Feel Better Live More with Dr. Rangan Chatterjee, and The Conversation with Amanda Decadene. You can explore this network and all its offerings at voicingchange.media. So what's a, a day in your life look like right now? It's got to be pretty crazy. It's crazy. I mean, you know, how many employees do you guys have? We're at 250 employees, Whoa. the fastest growing e-commerce. You just opened some giant warehouse somewhere too, right? Like yeah. let, lay it out. Like what is this whole, what is the infrastructure and kind of a day in the life of Gunnar Lovelace look like? It, do, it doesn't look like uh, what it looked like uh, on the organic farm up no. in Ojai anymore. No, no. <laughs> we, we, we have uh, two big distribution centers now, East Coast, West Coast. We're, we're shipping, you know, two days to 90% of the U S population. Um, that's been just, just getting so you ship everywhere in the continental U S Alaska and no, Hawaii. It's just continental U S right now. Right. So it's, it's really for us, it's been about, uh, implementing low carbon fast shipping to our membership community so that we can reach 90% of the U S population cost effectively. Um, so that's on the infrastructure side. Um, you know, on terms of the, like the actual build out of the business, you know, the key to any business or organizational success is great people. So, you know, I brought in three other amazing Mm co-founders. We have an amazing leadership community, uh, in the company. Everybody who's in the company is passionate about health and wellness and is giving themselves to excellence passion, goodness. And so, you know, yes, it's super intense. Uh, I, you know, I'm working 16 hours a day, six or seven days a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll have 15 meetings a day. I'm sprinting from, you know, one meeting to another. Um, that isn't all that sustainable long-term, right. but I love what I'm doing. And I, I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to be able to apply my life in that direction. Right. So how do you maintain your kind of mindfulness in the midst of, you know, the sort of, uh, the eye of this chaotic storm? Well, I, I view, you know, I view, uh, business as a form of creative yoga. So, so for me, it's like, I'm in a I meeting, like I, I just sit up, I, you know, make sure I'm trying to get good posture. I'm staying mindful of my breath, um, trying to eat a low sugar diet, trying to get enough sleep, making sure I get, you know, four or five times a week, a really vigorous sweat. Cause otherwise I turn into an asshole, mm-hmm. like just like really basic guardrails that like provide a foundation of support. Right. So there's no, like, do you have a morning routine? Uh, do you have a meditation practice that you lock in? Like, what is the, you know, do you bring your green smoothie to the office? Like, what are the tactile kind of like takeaways for somebody who's listening? Like, cause you're an interesting, you're, you're, you're an interesting conundrum in the sense that you don't quite fit that, like the, the typical Silicon Valley, you know, like technology entrepreneur, like you're coming from this holistic wellness perspective and it's the merging of these two worlds. So I'm interested in, you know, kind of like the actual, like, you know, brass tacks of what that looks like and how you practice that. Yeah. So sleep, getting in a sleep is front, front and center. I can do anything else, meditation and lots of exercise. If I'm not getting enough sleep, Mm -hmm. I just totally implode. So like I, because I have so much on my mind, I really try to take care of myself right before I go to bed. I mm-hmm. have a, I have an unwind, you know, sequence that I run through. Like I roll around on my back for twenty or thirty minutes and just bring my energy down. It's a very meditative place. I'll take, you know, uh, I'll take mag. Uh, calm right before I go to bed. Magnesium. Yeah, yeah just yeah. a lot of magnesium. That's a staple in our house. That just brings me right down. Um, 
And so getting enough sleep is absolutely primary for me in this kind of place of super high intensity. And then, you know, really low sugar diet, like Mm -hmm. a low sugar diet, lots of probiotics. I take probiotics probably four to eight times a day. Mm. And for me, that supercharges my immune system. People get sick around me all the time and I don't get sick um, very, very, very rarely. And that's because I'm taking a lot of vitamin what C. Kind, what and, kind of probiotics? I mean, I, I, I like temperature-stable probiotics as I'm on the move. So, uh, you know, Dr. Hira's is a great one. Um, it's a lot of efficacy. Um, so I, I, we sell that on Thrive. I love it. I right. can, I you have no, you have no shortage of access to healthy food products with what you do. Totally, right? totally. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's still, it's like it, it doesn't matter what you put in your body if you're in an unstable place. And we all have our different parameters of what that is. Sleep is the critical thing for me. So, you know, sleep and a low sugar diet, um, with lots Mm -hmm. of probiotics that, that powers me through the day. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, uh, what's next? Like what's the big, the the kind of problem that you're trying to solve right now to get to the next level? Like what's going on? Yeah. So I think, I think the, the, so a couple of the challenges, one is, you know, we see our mission is to make healthy living accessible to everybody. We see access as a function of price, geography, and education. And so we've got a really strong core offering around price and geography. We're shipping healthy products for less anywhere nationally, but we're still not doing mm-hmm. what we can do on the education side. And that's really the investment in content. You know, we just shot a 20 part video series on healthy hacks on a budget and just demystifying health. Like how do you read a label? How do carbs turn into sugar? Why you should care about toxic ingredients in your cleaning supplies, Mm -hmm. creating short form content, video content, written content that's given away with the membership. It's all about healthy habit formation. So if we can help a family that's buying processed toxic food at a local convenience store, understand that they can access the, the natural alternative to that for the same price for the first time in history and couple that with educational material and we give them a roadmap to be able to make their first two or three purchases, we Mm -hmm. have a real impact of changing their life and impacting their children's lives in a very, very real way. Yeah, the education is huge. You know, in our our cookbook, The Plant Power Way, um, you know, the idea behind it was to introduce mainstream modern American families to the idea of eating plant-based and to, to demystify it in many ways and, and, and sort of position it and present it as a modern, accessible, and kind of aspirational way of living. Um, and we tried to use uh, you know, ingredients that you could find no matter where you live, but there are certain things that are like, okay, but if you want to get more exotic and you want to get into the cacao powder and the chia seeds and, you know, the ground flax seed and the hemp seeds and all that kind of stuff that look, if you're living in Venice, California, that's like, you know, on the tip of everybody's tongue. But if you're in the breadbasket of America, people have never heard of that stuff. It's brand new. And, and, uh, and you'll get pushback. People will say, well, you know, I don't, you know, I can't get that stuff where I would. I'm like, it's 2015. If you did a Google search, you could find a place that would ship it to you in a day and a half. Like that excuse doesn't hold water anymore. Right. You can't hang your hat on like, well, I would do that, but you know, I live here and I can't get that. Like you can like forget about Thrive Market. Even if Thrive Market didn't exist, I'm sure you could find a place to ship you whatever yeah, yeah. kind of weird I mean, ingredient Amazon that you're looking whatever, at. Amazon, yeah. everything has it. So now there's Thrive Market that makes it even easier and and more affordable because that's the other argument. Well, it's too expensive. I can't do it. To be able to do that, like really dilutes and takes all of the kind of energy that surrounds 
those those rationales that are so common uh, that that crop up around like why I can't access a healthier lifestyle. Yeah, and there's a lot of different demographic segments. Like there's this whole population of Americans that are on food stamps, right? Mm-hmm. And so we're we're in conversations with the White House and the the, U- the USDA to be the first to accept food stamps online early next year. Oh wow, that you would cannot be cool. use food stamps today online. How crazy is that? That is and crazy. You drive across Los Angeles and you see five fast food joints that now say accepting food stamps and EBT. It's insane, right? So that's that is that's wrong. a major initiative that we're working on. Wow. Um, I didn't know, even know that. It's incredible. People just like so that's a whole community that just no matter how affordable it is, they're on food stamps. If they mm-hmm. can't use their food stamps to buy natural non-toxic products for the first time as conventional equivalents. It's just, they're never going to get at it. Yeah. You're further entrenching the socioeconomic problem and making it worse. Yeah. And it's, 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 you know, you look at different demographic segments, you you know, what's so, so tragic and sad about the current situation is that you've got, you know, very, very low income communities that are overfed and undernourished. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you look at obesity and diabetes, it's really heavily concentrated at the lower levels of our economic demographic groups and it's it's because processed food is so cheap and the amount of calories you get per dollar is so so high that you know it's just possible to say no to that's right when you're on that kind of a budget so yeah i have great empathy for people that are stuck in that situation yeah so you know terrible so so i think you know to to your point where to your question like what's next you know we're we're building our core business and that's scaling really really passionately. At the same time, I'm personally very, very interested in making sure that we can really provide inroads into communities that are just not going to be able to be part of that no matter what. Mm-hmm. And so we're having a lot of really powerful conversations with like foundations that, you know, like the Robin Wood Johnson Foundation just put half a billion dollars into food issues. So we have a model that we're creating where we can raise money from foundations that provides the first three purchases to a family coupled with educational material that we develop together, uh, coupled with the free membership that we give away to families in need. And we have an opportunity to really support healthy habit formation at scale to a whole segment of the U.S. population that just would never be part of this conversation otherwise. Right. I feel like part of your challenge is to be able to effectively, you know, communicate with and penetrate that lower socioeconomic community because, you know, as we're, you know, on the west side of LA, like we all know what's going on at Silicon Beach and like we know oh Thrive Market, they're happening. You know, that's what's going on right now. People in that community or in that upper kind of the upper, you know, financial echelon, like we're aware of what you're doing. But is, you know, the bus driver, does he know what Thrive Market is? Like, how are you going to get the message out to the people that actually can benefit the most from the service that you're offering? Yeah, that's exactly right. So I think what's really exciting to me is, you know, there's this huge community of influencers that are emerging that care about this issue. And so we've been very, very thoughtful about how we capitalize the business. We didn't take passive institutional investors Every single investor that we have in the company is strategic and actually passionately engaged, is interested in this and is working with us on it. And so we have literally 150 influencers as investors in mm-hmm. the company. And that was one. Yeah, you have some really, I mean, all the people are all people you've heard of. and They're big, great people. So they're people, working yeah. with us to build content that speaks to their audiences at scale through social media in a way that's super high impact, but very low cost. Mm-hmm. And so when we think about the, you know, the emerging consumer behavior, it's social proof, right? So if you've got an influencer that you look up to 
and they're sharing authentically about what it is that they're passionate about and being able to access healthy food for less through this new platform, it's going to resonate to that community that identifies with that influencer. Mm -hmm. And that's an extremely high impact, low cost way of scaling into a lot of different demographic groups. And so we're working with, you know, the bloggers and, and then we're working with A-list actors and then we're working with A-list sports stars. And each of those people speak to communities in a different way. And so our job is to be really intelligent about creating content that is authentic to them and speaks to those audiences in a way that's actually going to help them understand that this is an available solution for them. All right, man. I love it. Our time is up. Really appreciate it. I I just, so much appreciation for you. (laughs) I love you, buddy. I'm so proud of you and so excited to see this whole thing just exploding around you like a giant mushroom cloud of awesome. We're going to find a lot of ways to work together. I love it. And really, really grateful for your audience that is uh, organizing around this conversation and just the way that you made a shift in your own life from a very traditional high powered entertainment lawyer to not so uh, high powered, some, 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 some <laughs> to a much greater platform that you're creating. So yeah, really, it feels pre- good, man. Really you knew me, you knew me uh, before the transition, right? right? So you can attest to the, the difference and the change. And it's just been amazing to kind of, you know, observe this arc in your own life and, and see what you, you're building, you have built and continue to build. That's uh, helping millions of people. Well, we're going to be, we'll we're going to be friends and allies so for the rest of our lives. It's all good man i love it absolutely so have a beautiful day big love love heals uh and uh i look forward to dude we got to do this more like will you come back on the show i feel like you could be my co-host once in a while we have a good like there's a good energy good report here here. totally (laughs) all right so for people that are listening and they're digging on ganar uh and want to learn more the best place to to go is thrivemarket.com that's it and you're on you know facebook and twitter and all the local places so Gunnar lovelace google him you'll find him and uh, anything else coming out no, that you want to point that's people it. to I, I think you know do what you love all right awesome man right. peace see you later plants hey did you guys like that i like that I think Gennar is super cool. I can't wait to see where he takes Thrive and his mission. Uh, Don't forget to check out the show notes at richroll.com for additional articles, background, and other materials and resources related to today's conversation. Again, I put a ton of time into compiling these, so make a point to check them out. Read up, learn more, take your knowledge base and your podcast experience beyond the earbuds. And while we're at it, have you guys subscribed to my newsletter yet? Come on, people. No spam, just good stuff, weekly podcast updates, product offers, and I'm going to start sharing exclusive content there, helpful information, all oriented around the wisdom of my guests and the books, films, products, and resources I'm finding helpful in my own life. So go ahead, subscribe. No downside. Uh, As for exclusive content, as you guys know, iTunes only catalogs the most recent 50 episodes of the show. So if you want free access to the entire back catalog of the show, all 190 episodes to date, you can do that with my free iOS app. Just search Rich Roll in the App Store or on iTunes. uh, Totally free. We're soon going to be releasing a new version to overcome any bugs that have been going on. Yes, I'm aware of that. Uh, And yes, Android users, I hear you. We're working on it. Anyway, thanks for subscribing to the show, for giving us a review on iTunes. I appreciate that. And for always making sure to use the Amazon banner ad at richroll.com for all your Amazon purchases. The Amazon banner ad is right there on the main podcast page. It doesn't cost you anything extra. You just click there. It takes you to Amazon. Buy whatever you're going to buy. Amazon kicks us some loose commission change from their end. And it's just... A great 
simple freeway to support the mission and it really does help us out a lot so thanks so much to everybody who has made a habit of that if you're in la or your travels take you to this part of the world be sure to check out joy cafe it's our organic plant-based and gluten-free eatery in the westlake village area of los angeles Uh, you'll often find me eating there mostly lunchtime three or four days a week Uh, i'm also partnered with the karma baker which is a vegan and gluten-free bakery also in westlake village Uh, and as i always say the podcast is a great way to kind of serve the global community with uh, with my message, uh, but it's also important to serve the local community, and that's what these businesses are about, uh, and it feels really good. So it would be great if you were to check them out. For all your plant power needs, go to richroll.com. Check out our new cookbook and lifestyle guide, The Plant Power Way. Also my book, Finding Ultra. we got signed copies of both of those. we got Julie's guided meditation program. We have 100% organic cotton garments. we got plant power tech tees. All kinds of good stuff. Basically, a lot of awesome to help you take your health and your life to the next level. Richroll.com. Thanks for supporting the show. Thanks for telling a friend. Thanks for sharing it on social media. Thanks for using the Amazon banner ad at Richroll.com for all your Amazon purchases. And I will see you guys back here in a couple days. Make it great. Peace. Plants. Yeah.